Hey everyone. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, probably two weeks since the last one, maybe less. Um, there just isn't that much to, to talk about, and the thing this this is what makes like basketball talking about basketball so much different than football. So the Lakers won against Utah, I think, two days ago, maybe three days ago. And everyone was like, oh, is this a turning point? But basketball happens so quick where it's, you know, the next day, today, or two days later, whatever it is, today, the lose to the Pacers, like, you know, all that talk about was that a turning point for the Lakers? Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, basketball just happens so quickly. You know, something happened, then there's another game tomorrow, then there's another game tomorrow, or like two days after, and everything can just change right away. So with basketball, it's more like, if you really want to talk about a team, <clears throat> it has to either be like a trade, someone developing, or it has to be on like a five-game basis or a ten-game basis, something like that. Uh, but I do have a couple teams to talk about, and I do want to talk about MVP and all-star selections a little bit right now. And the first team I want to talk about is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they hired Jason Kidd, and you know, to start the season, they weren't they weren't bad, but they were. You could like they were nine and four, but their net rating was like a big negative, and you could tell like they weren't playing well. The starters were really bad. They were getting lucky with some games. And, you know, at one point they were 15 and 17, two games below 500. On Christmas, they were, you know, 15 and 17. And since then, they've gone, what is that, 11 and 2? Yeah, they've gone 11 and 2 since then. They just beat the Raptors tonight. Lucas looking better. He looks, he looks like in much better shape now. Not great shape, but much better shape. And when you look at the Mavericks being good, they're 26 and 19 now. You would think, okay, so they were... The second, re- no, they were the number one offense just two years ago. And by, when I say number one, I just don't mean, I don't mean just in the league. They were the most efficient offense in NBA history. So you would think, okay, they're doing well. That means their offense must be great. No, their offense is bad. They're only 20th on offense and Luka hasn't played that well. You know, KP hasn't shot the three that well. Aside from, I think, Dorian Finney-Smith, no one's actually shot the three that well for them. The reason they've been so good is defensively, they just take another level. And I think Jason Kidd deserves some credit for that because he was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the defensive coach for the Lakers. Even though, like, Frank Vogel's like a great defensive coach, you know, Jason was a big help there. And I do believe he was the defensive coach. And he's brought a lot of like their philosophies here. KP's looking a lot better on defense. Reggie Bullock was a big part. They already had Maxi, who looks healthier this year. I know he was dealing with some stuff last year, and he moves so well for a big guy. He moves so well. Like he can go, he can legitimately guard wings. He can guard you know bigs. He can switch on to some guards. He's really good on defense. Then Dorian Finney-Smith is really good. You add Bullock. Now you have three guys, like. Two, three, four that are really good defenders. And now KP, he's looking like a good defender too. And when seven three pretty athletic KP and like he can move he can move well. Uh when he's engaged and he's playing well, that's a terror on defense. He's really good. 
You can talk about Luca being a bad or below average defender. The thing that Luca has over him, over like most bad defenders is he's like 6'7", 240. So you can put him on wings. You can put him on, you know, even some bigs that aren't offensive threats. You know, with the like the smaller point guards or just guards that are bad defenders, you can't really put them on a lot of positions and it not really mattering. Because like even in the final, like Chris Paul's a good defender, but they put him on like PJ PJ Tucker and PJ Tucker was just crashing the glass. You know, they would put Trey Young on PJ Tucker and they're just crashing the glass. Um with Luca though, he's six seven. You can put him on PJ Tucker and like PJ's not gonna like just destroy him on the glass or something like that. You can put him on, you know, a non offensive big and that's fine. So they have a lot of good defenders now. Like four legitimately good defenders that you can close out a game with. You can go with Bullock, Finney Smith, Maxi, KP. Like that's really good. Uh they got rid of uh Will- Willie Kelly Stein, he just wasn't doing it. Marquise Chris, I've always like thought of him with a big that has some potential he stopped shooting threes i feel like he could i feel like he needs to start shooting some threes again even if it's only at like 33 34 percent because once you stop shooting them that just goes out of your arsenal he has to keep shooting them because that's the only way you can improve on it so they found him and he's their big now i think they gave him a contract as well like two years uh so he's like i guess their backup big although dwight powell's there too with Dwight, like, they start him sometimes. They don't start him sometimes. It just depends on the matchup, I guess. Mostly, though, I feel like it has to be Luca, Finney Smith. I think Maxi has to be in there. And KP. The fifth guy just depends on, I guess... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it depends on how many wings the other team has that, you, that need to be, you know, defended. Because you either go with Jalen Brunson, who's been excellent this year, and he's going to get a big contract. Or you go with Reggie Bullock and his like consistent 3 and D play. Or you go with Tim Hardaway Jr. if he's on fire. So it just depends, I guess, on the matchup, who you're going to go with on that spot. You know, Neil Aquino's playing for them too, and he's been a good, defend- he's been a good defender his whole, career, his whole career. The only thing that's matter with him is... Can he be a secondary ball handler? Can he be a tertiary ball handler? Can he make enough open threes? And, uh, you know, I think the last three years he's shot like 36% from three, which is fine. Um, Josh Green, he's starting to play some minutes for them. He's a good defender. So they have a lot of good defenders on that team right now. And they're top five on defense. And if you look at their last 11 games since they've been on this, no, last 13 games since they've been on this stretch where they've gone 11-2 and two now, They've held like nine of their opponents under a hundred points. I think only one team has scored over like a hundred and nine against them. So like they're they've been killing it. You know they play a slow pace too, which helps uh, because then that way you only have to defend like half court defense, uh, half court offense. That's the only thing you have to defend now. They don't turn the ball over that much, which helps too because you're limiting transition. So the Mavericks are surging, and I don't expect them to slow down, especially with Luca getting healthier and. Not even healthier, just less fat. Uh, that's going to help. You know, everyone else, I think they can only get better too because KP is not shooting the three well. Tim Hardaway is not shooting the three well. Maxie's not even shooting the three that well. So, you know, they have they have a lot of upside and they're already trending upwards. And I expect them to finish with Utah crashing, which I do want to, I guess I just want to make a tiny point about Utah right now 
because Rudy Gobert gets so much disrespect and a lot of it was funny and now I just kind of feel bad for him because I think I feel like people actually think he started COVID like he's the reason COVID happened yeah like he was super reckless and like I called him an idiot and all that all the type of stuff when it happened when he was like touching like the microphones and all that shit but like it's getting a little overblown like he did not like cause the NBA to shut down the NBA was gonna shut down anyways and defensively, I just I just don't know what people don't see with him. He's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. And he's probably going to get into the Hall of Fame because of it. The I don't believe he's the greatest like post defender of all time, something like that. I think he's a very good post defender. And I think people just see like a couple clips here and there and think he sucks. Or like people love attacking him. Like, no. Yeah, players attack him, but they don't finish that much. Like, he's one of the best at, like, preventing you from scoring at the rim. If he's not the best, he's he's probably, like, second or third. Like, it's it's him. He's that guy. And, like, if you watch that Lakers game, people are like, oh, Stanley Johnson was cooking him. He was cooking him. No, what they were doing was getting Rudy off of Stanley. Like, LeBron was setting these low screens. So, you know, Stanley could go around Rudy and go attack someone else. That's what they were doing. But people, I guess, you know, saw that one play or two play where Stanley made, like, some tough shots over Rudy. Like, if Stanley tried that ten times, those were the only two times he was going to make that. So, I don't know. I just think the Rudy disrespect is a little much. I feel like most of the Jazz problem is they're too small. Like, I don't, I, I've, I've never liked the too small backcourt. Like, they have two point, they have two guys in the backcourt that are 6'1". Then you look at their small forward, 6'4", Boyan, 6'7". Like, that's a small team. Like, if I were them, I would try, like, getting bigger. I think they have to get bigger. They should probably go after, like, I would trade Royce O'Neal. I would trade whatever to get bigger on the wings. If I'm going to have that small backcourt, I have to be big on the wings. Um... Aside from that, uh, let's talk. Let's keep on um, talking about the Mavericks. I feel like they could easily be a top four seed with Utah crashing, but at minimum, I can't see them not being the fifth seed. I feel like that's already locked in, and I could see Utah, you know, picking it back up and being the third seed, and Memphis being the what's it called, the fourth seed. And I think that would be a really bad matchup for the Grizzlies because I feel like Luca, Luca just has their number, because Luca plays at at this pace where it really it really doesn't matter who's guarding him, and he doesn't attack the he doesn't really attack the paint. He doesn't. No, wait, hold on. Let me say that in a different way. He doesn't attack the rim. He does attack the paint because he, he, there, a lot of his shots come in the paint, but they're not at the rim. He's elite from like that floater range. He's got great touch. He's, he's got a post-up game now. Uh, not really a post-up game. He's got a power game where he gets in the post. But, like, he, he's, he doesn't have great, like, moves and shit in the post. It's pretty basic shit. But, like, he's so big, he gets the switch and he just bullies in the paint. Uh, and he's a great playmaker. So, you know, if you double him, he's going to find someone. And I just feel like he's got their number. So, if I were the Grizzlies, I would probably try avoiding them in the first round. Like, I... If I'm dumb, I'm trying to get the third or the fourth seed, whatever it's going to take to avoid Luka in the first round. 
right. I, I thought I had more teams to talk about, but I really don't because I've already talked about Memphis before. I've talked about the like the like the shocking teams, like the Cavaliers. You know, I've talked about them before. I've talked about most of the teams. So I want to get to the all-star selections, who my all-stars are for this year. And then I want to talk about MVP for a little bit. All right, first, the all-star format. So just making it clear, it's only 12 players from both conference, 12 players from each conference, uh, four backcourt, six front court, and two wild cards. So let's start off with the Eastern Conference, and I want to do my, you know, starters. So front court, actually, let's do backcourt first. This one was really tough. Like, I know, I think there's only three real selections for this. But, the, well, okay, so it's not that tough because I think Trey has to be one of them. So the Hawks are super underperforming. I think they're the 12th seed, 18 and 25, seven games below 500. But it's not because of Trey. Like, Trey is the offensive hub, and they are the second um, best offense in the league. It's not his fault. But the problem is also his fault. So he's not the he's not the problem on offense, but their defense is also his fault because he's one of he he's probably the worst defender in the NBA that actually gets minutes because he's just so small out there. But let, just talking about offensively, the dude's averaging twenty eight points, four rebounds, nine and a half assists, shooting, you know. What's his true shooting? A 58 true shooting. He's probably having his best year in the league. He's been he's been amazing. They haven't been amazing, but he's been amazing. And I think he's probably been the best guard in the East this year. So he's my first backcourt selection. The second, the second guy is where it gets really tough because the Chicago Bulls are the number one seed in the East. No one expected that. And they have two guys that legitimately could be the starter. So you have DeRozan averaging, what, 26, 5-5, five and five, barely turns the ball over. And, you know, he's, got, he's been really efficient this year. You know, 57 true shooting, which for a player who just takes a lot of jumpers is very good because he doesn't really get to the rim that much anymore. You know, he takes a lot of jumpers, like close-range jumpers, mid-range jumpers. That's what, that's what his game is, and those are high-quality high shots, and he's really good. The other guy is, of course, Zach Levine. Who I th- maybe maybe this will get easy because I think if I'm not mistaken, Levine did get injured recently, so it could get easier with his injury, which sucks. But like that's just what it is. <clears throat> He's averaging 25, five and four. Doesn't really turn the ball over that much. Uh, what's his true shooting? It's got to be much higher, right? 61 true shooting. Like they're on. They're like similar tier players, and you know Levine's more efficient. And I think he's a better defender. DeRozan's been a better fourth quarter player, even though they've both been really good. He gets to the line a ton, putting the other team in you know, foul trouble right away. And he's a... I, actually, I honestly think he's a way better playmaker than Zach Levine, even though Levine's come up as a playmaker. So, like, it's very close. And I think... It's tough. It's really tough. I think I'm going to have to go with DeRozan. Because I do think he's got more responsibility on his shoulder as a playmaker. Even like, yeah, he's only averaging 0.8 more assists. But when you watch it, he's doing a lot more with the ball. And maybe that has to do with because Levine's a better off-ball player. Because DeRozan can't really shoot from three like that. So he can't spread the floor. 
So maybe Levine has to spread the floor more. That's why he doesn't have the ball as much. But I still think <clears throat> when I watch the games, I feel like DeRozan does more than Levine. That's just what I think. You know, it's a toss-up between those two. I would go DeRozan. So I have Trey and DeRozan in the backcourt. The front court, I feel like it's pretty easy. It's already done. Uh, KD, he's out, but I still think he's going to be the starter. They're just going to find a replacement for him like uh, last year. So KD, Giannis, MB, that's done right there. So that's the starting lineup. The bench. So I have a couple locks, and I just want to go over the locks first. And I'm going to do it through the standings. So I have James Harden, lock. Um, Darius Garland, lock. Jared Allen, lock. So that's two backcourt and uh, one front front court. Uh, Charlotte, that's tough. I don't think LaMelo's a lock, so I'm not going to put him there. Beal's not a lock. Tatum and Brown, not locks. Fred Van Vliet, lock. He's had a great year. He's been a great replacement for Kyle Lowry. You know, he's averaging 22, like 5 and 7. With him on the court, they're a great team. With him off the court, they suck. So I think he's a lock. And Toronto's definitely picked it up as well. Um, even though they lost to Dallas tonight. But they've, they've picked it up. They've been playing pretty good basketball recently. Fred Van Lee, lock. Uh, no one from New York. No one else from Atlanta. No one from India. Although, I think Sabonis has to be a lock. For a front court member, for a, for a front court member I think he's a lock. You know, he's averaging 19, 12, 5. Uh, he's having probably his most efficient season. He's got a 65 true shooting. Uh, I think he's a lock. I know the I know the Pacers aren't doing well, but when you just look at what he's been doing, I think he has to be a lock. And there's not that many front court members that really deserve it, I guess, because Bam's been injured. Um, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, Vooch hasn't been playing all that well. And, uh, you know, there's just isn't that many great bigs in the East. Uh, so I have Fred as a lock, Harden as a lock. Uh, who else did I have? Garland. That's three backcourt members right there that are locks for me. Uh, front court, I have Jared Allen and uh, what's his name? Um, Sabonis. That's two locks. I think Tatum probably makes it. That's three. So I have two wild card spots left, and I'm gonna. I have to pick between Lamelo, Jalen. Uh, there's one more guy that I just... LaMelo, Jalen. And how long is Drew Holiday out for? Because I feel like it would get easier if he weren't playing. But I think he, I think he's only listed as day-to-day, so he's not going to be out that long. He's had a great season, so he has to be considered too. So Jalen, uh, what's the name? Uh, LaMelo, Drew. With KD out, I do feel like all three of those guys could make it. So I'm going to say those three will all make it. Because KD is going to be injured. And I guess maybe, you know, Jimmy could make it. Let me see how many games Jimmy. He's only played 26 games. So I don't think Jimmy should make it. That's not that many games. But I feel like Jalen missed a bunch too. So maybe it's close. Yeah, Jalen's only played 31 games. So it could be Jimmy over Jalen there. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think it'll be. That's what I think it'll be. I think they have two wild cards. And with KD injury, it'll essentially be an extra roster spot. And I think it'll be Jimmy, LaMelo, and Drew. That's what I think it'll be. But if... Yeah, you know what? That's what I think it'll be. And that's what I think it should be. Because I think I think that's only fair. 
And I'm saying fair because I love Jalen Brown. Everyone knows that. But I just don't think with the games played, with their record, I don't think the Celtics deserve two All-Stars. So, yeah, I have Trey, DeRozan, KD, Giannis, Embiid as the starters. Then off the bench, uh, the backcourt I have, the backcourts I have Harden, Darius Garland, uh, Fred Van Vliet. That's the three guards. For the front court, I have Jared Allen, Sabonis, Tatum. That's the front court. And that's the wild cards with an extra spot because Katie's going to be injured and he's going to miss it. I have Jimmy Butler, LaMelo, and uh, who else did I say? Drew Holiday. That's who I said. And, yeah, th- that's my Eastern All-Stars. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. So this one is interesting, but not... I um, it, Okay, so let's just go with the locks. Steph Curry lock. MVP candidate, even though he's fallen off a ton. He's still an MVP candidate. Uh, and I think he's going to be the start, especially given the record. The second spot is where it gets interesting and tough. Because there's three guys fighting for it. But I really think it's just two guys fighting for it. So... I think Steph is in, and after that, it's Chris Paul, who's played, I'm pretty sure, every single game. The Suns have the best record in the league, and, you know, he's he's Chris Paul. Like, he's, he's playing like Chris Paul stuff. I think he's leading the league in assists, uh, barely turned the ball over, good efficiency, even though he doesn't shoot threes anymore, for whatever reason, I don't understand. Um, you know, mid-range king, mid-range god, whatever, point guard, point god, whatever. He's all that, so his numbers aren't extreme, though, but we understand his impact is even beyond like the box the box score and the numbers even if the numbers are good uh the second guy is John Morant uh who's who's putting up incredible numbers the Grizzlies are great and um the only thing with him is I think he's missed like 12 13 games or something like that and the third guy would be Donovan Mitchell but I think he's kind of I don't I don't really believe in Donovan Mitchell as a starter for the all-star game his numbers aren't incredible and the Jazz are flattening, so I'm not sure. I don't think I don't think he would be in it, but I've definitely seen him being mentioned as one of them. All right, personally, I think I would go with Ja. I think he's been a little better than Chris Paul. I think he's been more efficient than Chris Paul. I think he's a great playmaker. And the thing with him and his playmaking is that he's willing to give the ball up, and he's willing to cut. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win basketball games. He's a basketball player. He does, He's one of those whatever-it-takes players. And I love those players. Whatever it takes. You know, it was Walt Frazier, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Chris Paul to some extent. Um, you know, those players where it's like, okay, I have to score 35 points. I'll go get 35 points. I have to get 15, 20 assists. I'll go do that. You know, someone else is on fire. You have the ball. Do it. You know, you need me to cut. You need me to do this. You need me to do that. I'll do it. The only thing that he's missing from being like, you know, being truly in that mold of whatever it takes is he's not a good defender. With those guys, you know, especially Walt, it was, oh, you need me to lock down Jerry West, one of the, like, the 20 greatest players of all time, one of the top five players in the league right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll go do that. I can go do that. With Ja, you can't, he doesn't, he's not a good defender, so that hurts him there. Uh, Chris Paul is a good defender, but he's not like an elite defender anymore or anything like that. So, um, I would go with Ja. I think the Grizzlies have been a shock, and I think he's been a huge part of that, even though, you know, they won a lot of games without him. I think he's been a little better than Chris Paul this year, so I would go with him. Uh, front court, LeBron, LeBron's a lock. 
and Jokic are the lock. After that, no one else is a lock. So we we really have to talk about who else it's going to be. So Paul George is out. Kawhi is out, obviously. And um, I think Draymond is out, too. I don't think he was going to be a starter to begin with. But, you know, he would have had a chance, I would assume. But he's been he's injured. And I'm not even sure how long he's going to be out. I think it's going to be a while because it was like a... Like a back issue. Let me let me just check when he's gonna be reevaluated because that might impact like how I think about just him even as an all star this year. So they're saying two weeks he's gonna be reevaluated. Um, I don't think that's gonna take him out from my like all star consideration, but I do think it probably takes him out of like starter consideration. So there's two guys that I think I'm picking between for that last front court spot, and it's. Two guys on completely different spectrums of what they bring to the table. One is Rudy Gobert. And we know what he does offensively, which is not a lot. But he does... Like, people make fun of the screen assist a lot. But, like, a good screen really does get someone wide the fuck open. Like, those pull-up mid-range jumpers that Donovan Mitchell gets. Those threes that, you know, Boyan or Jordan Clarkson or Mike Conley they get. They're open because of, like... This behemoth of a man is setting these, like, incredible screens. Like, that's why they're so open. So, like, they do matter somewhat. And, you know, defensively, the whole the Jazz whole thing is, them being 11th on defense with barely any good defenders is entirely because of Rudy Gobert. Their whole defense is we have Rudy, and that's it. You know, Mike Conley's not, not a good defender anymore. He's average. Donovan Mitchell's not a good defender. Royce O'Neal's an above-average defender. Boyan's whatever. <clears throat> Off the bench, they have Ingles, who's lost a step. Jordan Clarkson, the bad defender. Hassan Whiteside has been, you know, a good backup defensive center this year. Um, who who else do they have? Rudy Gay's not a good defender anymore. He's fine. Um, who who else do they play? Eric Pascal's not a good defender, even though he's he's looked fine actually. I think he's been pretty good. I think he's been pretty good for like a ninth man for them. Uh, so yeah, like they don't have a lot of good defenders at all, and Rudy is their whole. Whole defense. That's what he is. Um, so, yeah, I think he's definitely got to be in consideration. The other guy has to be Cat. You know, the the Wolves are the seventh seed right now. Cat's averaging like 25, 10, 3.5, you know, 63% true shooting. Like, he's been really good. And he's played a lot of games, too. How many games? 37 games. So, you know, he's got that going for him. And, you know, he's got the Wolves being, you know, not horrible going for him as well. So... If I had to pick between the two, I would just go with who I think is the better player. And that's Cat just by a hair. Because I do think if I had to build a team around one of those two, it would be around Cat over Rudy. Although it would be very close. Alright, so my uh, starters for the Western Conference are Steph, Ja, LeBron, Jokic, Cat. I'm comfortable with that. So like, the the backcourts, I have Chris Paul, who didn't make it um, as a starter. I have Donovan Mitchell, who also didn't make it. Then I have Devin Booker. I think those are locks. They have to be locks. And after that, I have Luka. I have Gobert. I have Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is having a, like a really good season. And the Pelicans are 12 game under 500. But with Ingram... They actually have like a decent record. I think they're fifteen and like fifteen and like sixteen or fifteen something like that. Like a near five hundred record when he plays. 
So, you know, for a team that's 12 game under 500 with him, they're playing near 500 basketball. I think he has to be in there. You know, he's averaging 23, 6 and 5. You know, his height changes like every year. Last year he was listed at like 6'7. Two years ago he was listed at like 6'9. Now he's 6'8. <coughs> he looks 6'8. Like if I had, like, his height, if I had to guess his height, it would probably be 6'8. So I have him in there. And for my wild cards, I have DeJounte Murray, who I actually think is a little overrated because people look at his number, they're like, oh, he's averaging like 21 and whatever. But he averages 21 on like 18, 19 shots a game. Like he takes a lot of fucking shots to get those points. And he's not that efficient at all. And the biggest problem with him is he just doesn't get to the rim. Like he settles for floaters and like these little jumpers inside the paint instead of getting all the way to the rim. And he's not good at that, like the floaters and shit. Like he's not good at them. But he still continues to take a ton of them. So if he were going to the rim a little bit more and get to the free throw line more, he would be so much better and just a lock for you know the all-star game for like the next four or five years. But he doesn't do that. And I, you can't just expect players to do something. That you can't just be like, oh, you know, because I think this and this would help their game, that, that they're going to do it. You never know. So, I, I, but for this year, I still have him in there because there just isn't that many, you know, players from the West. And the last spot, and I guess him and, you know, Brandon Ingram could be changed, whatever, uh, is Draymond. You know, Draymond is the best defender in the NBA right now. Uh, he's leading the Warriors to the number one defense. Without him, their defense just, it doesn't crash. But, like, you can you can see the big difference between when he's there and when he's not. And he deserves to be an all-star this year. And um, so those are all my all-stars. And let's get on to the MVPs. So we we actually have a lot of candidates. And the interesting thing about this year is no team with... No team's been dominant except for, like, the Suns. But they're two guys. They're not... Like, I'm sorry. Like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are fucking amazing. But they're not MVP players. Like... Nothing about them screams MVP. Nothing about them, you know, says MVP to me. So, like, the dominant team that we have, none of their guys, like, their two guys aren't MVP players. They just have five starters who are, like, in 2K terms, like, 90 to, like, 85 overall. Like, five of those guys. And then they have a good bench. Actually, no, four of those guys, my bad. Like, Jake Crowder's obviously not that good. So, but he's, like, a really good role player. So... None of those guys are in it. So I just, I'm just going to do this through the basketball reference and their MVP tracker. And I'm just going to talk about the candidates they have and what chance I would give them. And if I have any dark horses myself. So they have Jokic, number one, with a 30% chance of winning. Uh, the Nuggets are 23 and 21. And this is, this is how I think Jokic can win it. This is how I think he can win it. You keep it close. So you keep it like like a couple games above 500. And then when Murray comes back, hopefully you guys can go on a They can go on a run. And, um, you know, I think 48 wins this year really could get you the MVP. I really think it can. 48 wins, I think, can get you the MVP this year. So his numbers, they're as, pretty much as good as last year. Uh, you know, they lost Murray last year. They lost Porter Jr. this year. And just offensively, they don't have much. Like, Will Barnes, he's he's a solid, like, third or fourth option when you have Murray and Porter Jr. there. But as your second guy, not really. Monty Morris is a good backup point guard. He's not a starting point guard. He doesn't get to the rim at all. Um, 
what's his name, Jeff Green, like all these guys, like Composo, Rivers. They got Forbes, which I think was a really good pickup because, you know, he's a guy that can really spread the floor and, you know, give Jokic some space because no one on the Nuggets can really shoot that well. Like Will Barton's only, like 37% is pretty good. Aaron Gordon's only shooting 34%. Um, Monty Morris, 37.5%. Jeff Green, 34%. Composite, 31 Rivers, 31 uh, Highland, 34 Like, you know, they're just not... They just don't have a lot of guys shooting that well. Jermichael Green forgot how to shoot, only shooting 25%. Like, so, you know, Bryn Ford comes in. He's like a career, like, 40-something percent, 41%. And last year, what did he shoot, 45%? Last year, he shot 45%. This year, he was shooting 42%. So, I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. And um, he's going to get a lot of good opportunities. And I think Jokic has a very good chance of winning MVP. Because, like I said, like I think if you look at all the teams after the Suns, none of them are that impressive. Record-wise, anyways. Like, I think there's teams that are impressive, but they're not... Like, how many, how many teams do you really think are going to win, like, 54 and more games this year? Maybe two? Maybe three? So, you know, I think 48 wins could really get you the MVP this year. And I think Jokic can keep them in it enough. And if Murray comes back and, uh, you know, he looks fine and he can carry like He can give them that, you know, that offensive spark. Like another guy that can give you 18 to 20 points. And then once he gets healthy, like get you to like that 24-point mark. You know, it's going to be a huge help for them. And if he can get to 48 wins, I think he's going to have a really good chance. Because he's got the MVP numbers. He's keeping his team afloat. He has that narrative because his two guys were injured. And he's kept them afloat. So, you know, he's got he's got the chance for sure. The second guy they have is Giannis. Who I think, personally, has no chance. Because when you look at that team, they are three losses away. Actually, four losses away from not being able to reach the 50-win mark. And I think for Giannis to win, he had to reach over 50 wins. He just had to. And, you know, you can talk about, oh, you know, Middleton, you know, Drew, Giannis, they didn't get to play that much minutes together. But if you look at, like, the players that played for them, Giannis, 39 games, Drew, 35, Middleton, 36, Portis, 39, Grayson, 41, Pat, 45, George Hill played, like, 38, Nawara played 36. So, like, they've had, like... A bunch of players playing for them. Obviously, you know, they had some, like, lower-tier players play, too. Because, you know, uh, injuries, COVID, whatever. But, like, every team has had that. And I just think, when you look at the Bucks and you look at their team, I can't give Giannis the MVP award and they have, like, 48 wins. I know with Jokic, I said you can't, but, like, he's missing his second and third guy. So, so situations matter. You know, Giannis has had Drew and Middleton, and they've played. Like, I know they've only played, like, 20-something games together. But, well, they've only played 20-something games together as a trio. But for, for most of the games, it's been, you know, Giannis and Middleton, Giannis and Drew. It's been, like, those combos. So, they, he's had, like, at least his second guy or second and third guy for most of these games. So, if he's got 48 wins and Jokic has 47 or 46, 48 wins... Like, it's for me, it's not even close. It's Jokic easily. So I would I would give Giannis a low chance. Like, Jokic, I would give a 10 out of 10 chance of winning. Giannis, I would give, like, a 6 out of 10. Even though he's got, like, he's obviously having an amazing season. He's an amazing player. But I just think, given the circumstances, 
that his chance of winning MVP is a little low. Alright, third on this list is Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant was having an amazing season. I think he would have been my pick for MVP if he didn't get hurt. But he did get hurt. You know, friendly fire. And I think that takes him completely out of it. Like, I think he's going to miss like four to six weeks. Six to eight weeks. I don't remember right now. But whatever it is, you can't miss like a month, month and a half. And still be the most valuable player. Not not in current NBA. Like, you probably could have done it in like the past. Um... But yeah, like I think Kevin Durant would have been the MVP this year because the Nets with him were rolling. Not rolling, but like they were very they were very good, like 56 wins. 56 win pace, that is. Um, so yeah, I think he would have won the MVP, but injured for four to six weeks, I think that takes him completely out of it. So I'm not like even really going to bother talking about him. The fourth guy is who I think is the current MVP, and that's Joel Embiid. And the reason I think he's the current MVP is... So, one, like, most teams, he's had to deal with, like, his own injuries, COVID, and everything like that. And, you know, they're missing a guy that makes, like, 35 mil. And the problem with that 35 mil missing is you couldn't have used that on someone else. Like, you couldn't have gotten players for it because it's just, like, dead money there. So, they're missing a guy. They're missing an all-star point guard, all-defensive guard. Uh, Not even a guard. Like, he's a forward, obviously. But, like, they're missing him. And when you look at when Joel plays, they are 23 and 11. 23 and 11 when Joel plays. You know, they've just been dominating. And Joel, Joel's been as good as he was last year. And last year, if he wasn't injured, he would have won the MVP. So this season, he's been relatively healthy. With him, they've been killing. And, you know, they're missing their second best player. Tobias hasn't even played that well. I think he... He should probably get traded. They should probably... I would trade, like, legitimately. I would trade almost everyone on that team. Like, the starters anyways. Like, Ben, if he's not coming back, trade him. Tobias, trade him. Seth, trade him. Because with Seth, with Seth and Tyrese in the backcourt, that's just way too small. And I don't like small backcourt. So, unless you have a big point guard next to Seth, I don't, I don't have a problem with it then. But if you have a small backcourt, I do have a problem with it. So, if Ben comes back and he plays point guard for them... I don't have a problem with it because now you have, you know, pretty good size because Ben's there. But if it's Tyrese and Seth in the backcourt, I'm just not a big fan of that. So I would trade all of them. I would get bigger and I would get more versatile. That's just what I would do. But anyways, I think the 76ers are... What seed are they? Let me just make sure I have this right. There's a sixth seed. I think they have the same losses as the Cavaliers and the Bucks. So, like, they're... Like I don't, they have less wins too, so it's not the same. But they're they're not that far away from like being the fourth seed, or even being like three seed. Like I think, I think if they make it Ben Simmons trade, and they get some players for him, obviously they can get some players for him. What the fuck am I saying? They can go on like a legitimate run, and I think probably get like the top three, four seed. And I think Embiid can win it. He's not shooting it as well as last year, but what he has done is improved as a passer and playmaker he's his decision making has been really good this year he's not turning it over as much as assists are way up you know now he actually grabs the rebound he just goes all the way you know sets up a dribble handoff or just takes it all the way to the rim and the thing with him is he just gets to the, he's just a foul drawing machine no one draws fouls better than him in the nba right now i think he's better at drawing fouls than even like james harden at his prime 
and that's such a big factor. Like there was a there was a thread on Reddit talking about prime AD and current Embiid. Who would you rather have? And I went with Embiid because what the foul drawing does is it puts your team in the bonus. So now the other team is playing timid. It also puts like their bigs in foul trouble, so you can get to the rim more. You know, more shots are open at the rim. So I went with Embiid because of that, and he's also shown to be a better three-point shooter than you know Anthony Davis. And I also think he's a better rim protector than Anthony Davis. Yeah, he doesn't block a lot of shots, but that's mainly because when he's in the game, teams do not go to the rim. He's a black hole. When he's in the game, teams take floaters. They take a lot of mid-range jumpers. They do not go to the rim and attack him. That's probably why, you know, his blocks aren't that high. You know, AD gets a lot of blocks because teams do challenge him. And because he's a power forward, so he's helping from the weak side so he can come get blocks that way. But with Embiid, he's just, like, teams just do not go to the rim when he's in when he's in the game. When you look at him, he's fucking massive. So, like, I understand why teams don't attack him. So, I think Joel has, like, a 10 out of 10 chance. I think him and Jokic would be my two front runners uh, for MVP. Uh, who's next? Let's see. Let's go on the MVP tracker real quick. They have Rudy Gobert, five. Uh, I just don't think... I don't think he's an MVP player. I think he's really good. The thing with... Like, I think I talked about it earlier. The Rudy disrespect. And I think Rudy's really fucking good. I think when if you have Rudy Gobert, you have most likely like a top, you know, five to 10 defense like automatically no matter how bad your perimeter defense is and the Jazz perimeter defense is bad Mike Conley is no longer a good defender he's an above average defender but he's no longer a good defender Donovan Mitchell not a good defender Royce O'Neal good defender uh, Boyan not a good defender uh, average-ish Ingles not a good defender anymore Jordan Clarkson stinks Whiteside you know not a good defender he's probably average which for a backup is fine um, Rudy Gay, not a good defender. A- average to above average. So if you look at it, they don't really have a lot of good defenders. And I think if they did, their rec- their defense would be like top three or four. Because Rudy's just that, you know, monstrous at the rim. But I just don't... Like, he, he's an interesting kid because starting a team, I don't think he would be like a top 20 pick for me. But he's got like the value... Of like a top 15 player in the league. Like maybe even higher than that. Because if you have him, you automatically have a top you know, 5 to 10 defense. And you could probably win like 42, 43 games based on that alone. Alright, number 6. They have Chris Paul. You know, I've talked about this before. I just don't think... Like the numbers that these guys put up. Like Chris Paul is 14, 4 and 10. Low, low turnovers. Like we know what Chris Paul is. Mid-range guy, point guard, whatever. He's just not an MVP player. Right now it is. Like, if he... <coughs> the the Chris Paul that I saw in the playoffs, that guy was an MVP player. That guy was a superstar MVP player. But I just don't think he wants to play like that in the regular season because it takes too much effort. He can't do it nightly. So, like, I understand why he doesn't do it. So, I just don't think he's an MVP player. Uh... Number seven, they have James Harden. Uh, James Harden's having probably his worst year uh, since he was a sixth man in OKC. I legitimately believe that. Like, his IQ is way higher than when he was, you know, that kid in OKC coming off the bench. But he's not playing like a superstar. And 
you know, if you look at his finishing, so this year he's finishing 58% of his shots at the rim. Last year, 67%. The year before, 67%. The year before, 60%, which was an off year. I don't even think he made like the All-NBA that year. The year before, 66%. The year before, 68%. The year before, 65%. You know what I mean? So like he, he was like a 65 to 68% uh, finisher at the rim. Now he's at 58%. His explosion isn't there. I don't like, I just don't think he trusts his step back either because if you look, like he used to take like 8 to 12 threes a game. 8 to 12 threes. Easily he could get it off anytime he wants. Now he just doesn't take them that often. Like, I'm just going to look at how many times he shot more than 10 threes this year. Seven times. Only seven times. He's played 40 games. Only seven times has he shot 10 or more threes. That used to be like a staple of his game. There, there was a game against Cleveland this year where he took two in like 40 minutes of gameplay. You know, this was a guy that just a couple of years ago was taking like 13 a game. Yeah, he, okay. He's taking 13 a game, 13 a game, 10 a game, 9 a game. But this is what he used to do. Now he's taking 7 a game, only making 34% of them. So, you know, I just don't... Like, he's leading the league in assists or, like, tied. And he's also turning it over 5 times a game. And those are, like, careless passes where he's just super casual with the ball. You just throw it, like... He, he just seems... He either, he's either bored with the game or he's not the same guy he used to be. Those are the only explanations. And even if he becomes like 20 you know 20 James Harden and he's averaging 35 points a game it's not going to be enough for him to win MVP because we already have like two months of him playing like 7.5 out of 10 basketball so while while the other guys were playing 10 out of 10 basketball the entire time so I just don't think he I think his chance of winning MVP are zero I just don't I just don't believe he has any chance at all all right let's see who else we have Steph Curry, he's like even with a record of thirty-three and thirteen, he slid all the way down to eight, and it makes sense. He's been really stinky the last like month. Like he he made a game winner tonight against the Rockets, but it's also like, why are you guys not just dominating the Rockets? Like I get Draymond's out, but like Draymond can't be that important where you guys are you know barely you know be able to beat the Rockets. You're like yeah, who have been playing well, and the biggest difference is he just can't make two pointers like he used to so i'm just gonna do this from 20 since he won his first mvp to last year so that would be how many years one two three four five six six years not including one because he was injured uh so six years he made 55 percent of his twos two pointers this year he's making 48 percent. that's a seven percent decrease you know his true shooting is only 59 percent, which is still great but this is a guy that whose who's true shooting is like typically like 65%. And the biggest difference is he doesn't get to the rim as much. And he's not finishing at the rim. So last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Since his MVP year, he's made 67% of his shots at the rim. Which is very high for a point guard. But it's also he doesn't get to the rim that much. So... I, don't, I think it's a little less impressive than what it actually is. But even then, he's only making 57% this year. So he's making 10% less than what he normally does. And on top of that, he's, his mid-range, 
he's been just average, league average for mid range. When he's typically been a really like way above uh, league average uh, mid range shooter. So, you know, I just thought, I don't think he's been playing MVP basketball the last like month, and that has to matter. It has to matter. You can't like even if he goes on like a big hot streak. I just I personally can't like forget about how there was a month where he was shooting like 30% from three, 38% from like the field. You know, I just can't forget that. So I think his chances of MVP are still probably high, but not as not a like super high. Because their record is 33 and 13. They might win 60 games. You like they I think they they still probably could win 60 games. I, I would guess, if I had to guess, it would probably be closer to 58, 57 wins. And that might be, that that alone, and, you know, pretty good numbers might be able to get him the MVP, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, so I would give him, like, a 7 out of 10 chance of getting the MVP. All right, number 9, they have LeBron. I don't know who the fuck that is. Um, LeBron's just been a monster the last, like, since he came back from um, his suspension. He's been a, like, when I say monster... I mean, best player in the league. Like, that's how good he's been since he's come back. So, let's just look at... Last 26 games. So, it's not a small sample size. 26 games. 31 points. 8.5 rebounds. 6.5 assists. 1.5 steal. 1.3 blocks a game. Only 3 turnovers a game. Shooting 52%. 36% on 8 attempts a game. 76% at the line. He's been the best player in the league the last month and a half. That's just what it is. And... The problem with it is the Lakers are only 23 and 23. They beat the Magic tonight, which is good for them. Um, you know, AD's been out. Maybe if he comes... Like, the only chance LeBron has is, I think, 47, 48 wins, like I said, with Jokic. Might get it done. Because people already hate Russ. They hate the roster. So you can't be like, oh, but this they had a, he had a great roster. You know, you can't just award him for, you know, whatever, like, 48 wins. But you told you everyone told me Westbrook sucks, which I think he does. I don't think he sucks, but he's obviously not very good. Uh, they told me the roster doesn't fit together. They told me this guy's too old. This guy's too old. This guy doesn't do this. This guy doesn't do that. So you can't give me the roster that good. You can't use that against him. And AD's been out a long time, and LeBron's been amazing. So I think their his best chance of winning MVP are something like 47, 48 wins. And, you know, playing the way that he's been playing. I think I would give, like, LeBron a 6 out of 10. Because I just don't think them winning 48 games is possible. I think they're probably... At best, they would probably go, like, 44, 45 wins. Maybe 40... Probably 44. Uh, lastly, John Morant. John Morant's been playing... Probably MVP basketball. Like, he's, he, he reminds me of, like, 2011 D-Rose, like, legitimately. And, you know, D-Rose fans, please do not get upset. I'm, and you know what? Get upset. I don't really give a shit. Like, I honestly don't care. He's He's been as good as that D-Rose. Um, he's been he's been a better shooter than that D-Rose. The thing that I like about both, like, D-Rose then and uh, John now is their willingness to get off the ball. Like, they'll pass it because they know they're going to get the ball back. They don't have a problem giving it up and then coming back to get it or letting someone else. Well, D-Rose really couldn't because they had no one else to do anything. But he was willing to go off the ball and, like, cut and shit like that. Which is what Jaw does, too. Or, like, Jaw's, like, fine with, oh, Bane has it going. All right, Bane, go do something. Oh, Jaron Jackson has it going. All right, I'll just feed you. You go do your thing. 
you know, Tyus has it going, you go do your thing. Melton has it going, do your thing. So he's, he's willing to let other people do it or he's willing to give it up because he knows he's going to get it back. The, the knock that I would have against Ja is he missed 12 or 13 games and his team went like 11-2. and two. And I think that's going to be a big problem for a lot of people because if you look at their record with him, it's, I think, like, it's, it's good, 21-14, and 14, which is very good. But that also means they went 11-2 and two without him. So I think that's going to be held as a knock against him. If they were, like, their record what it is right now with Ja, I think he would be much higher. But that 11-2 and two does hurt. Um, so I would say probably like a 5 out of 10 for Ja. You know, people have tried to include DeRozan in there. I just don't think DeRozan's an MVP player. He's been really good. The, the Bulls have been really good. But I just I, like I don't see DeRozan as an MVP player. Like, and I don't even see him as a dark horse because I just think he has no chance of winning it at all. I, I think Jimmy Butler would have been a really good candidate this year, but he's missed too many games, so I, I think he's out too. The last dark horse candidate I have is, and this is gonna sound wild because of how horrendously he started, but I think Luca might have a chance. So he's averaging twenty five, nine and nine. And his Mavericks are fifth in the West, and they're only they're only getting better. Like they lost, uh, they had a big lead on the Suns. They gave that up like at the end, um, like a twenty to four run, which was embarrassing. But they're not that far away from the fourth and three seed. But I don't think they will get it. But they might be able to like threaten to get it. Like they might be, they might get to a point where they're only like two games back from it. And I think if they can win fifty games. And Luca starts playing a little bit better, and his numbers, you know, his his numbers look fine. It's that efficiency goes up, and he's capable of doing that because he'll just go on like a month long streak where, you know, he's shooting forty percent from three, and he takes a lot. So that volume will help with the percentages. Um, so I think Luca has a, I think Luca would be the dark horse because the Mavericks are playing a lot better. I think they're probably gonna win forty eight to fifty games. And Luca's numbers are gonna get better because he's less fat now, so he would be my dark horse. And that's it for today, guys. All right, thank you for listening, everyone. And um, do I have anything else to talk about? Actually, um, you know what's interesting? Like I, I remember like two, three. It was probably three years ago because time's flying by. I thought it was two years. I'm forgetting it's 2022. So three years ago, I was working at a warehouse overnight, and I was so bored that. For seven, eight hours, all I would do was walk around in that warehouse, listen to music. And since then, because I listened to so much music back then. And, you know, I think I've said this before. I finished the entire James Brown discography. That's like a hundred fucking albums. And for me, like, if I find a good album, I'm listening to that over and over and over and over again. If I find a good song, I'm listening to it over and over and over again. So it's not just, oh, you listen to one album, go to the next one. It was you know, multiple listings of one album, of one song. So it took, like, I was listening to so much fucking music that since then, I, can, I can't I can listen to full albums. I can't listen to... Yeah, I just can't. I don't know what it is. And I think it, it's either because of that or my attention span is getting worse. That I can't just sit down for whatever and listen to an album. I think I don't, it's one of those two. Because I like The weekend. I like Gunna. When they release their albums, I still have I still haven't gotten to them. I really haven't. Maybe like a future release, I probably would get to it. 
if Drake released, I would. When Kanye did release, I got to it at midnight. Same with Drake. Um, so maybe it's a weekend and gonna thing. But typically, when new music come, new music came out, I would listen to it like right away. I would go on like a drive to go do it. Um, aside from that, one uh, there was a there was a big snowstorm in Canada, like probably the one of the worst ever, and it just got me thinking about how stupidly nostalgic people are. Because I was telling one of my friends, like, yo, this was probably the worst snowstorm of that. Not the worst snowstorm because we had an ice storm that like knocked trees down and shit like that. I said this was probably the most snow we've ever had. And, you know, we've, we've known, my friend and I, we've known each other for a long time. And he was like, nah, man, you know, you're overthinking. You know, we had a bunch of snow. Uh, we used to have snow like this all the time in the winters when, you know, we were growing up. And I was like, I just don't think that's true. And then the Guardian or whatever the fuck the um, Toronto newspaper is they release like you know how does this snowstorm compare to snowstorms of the past and it's one of the most snow we've ever gotten so i was just thinking about like how stupid stupidly nostalgic people are where they're like oh no you know even when it comes to snowstorms they're like nah we know we had it worse back then or it was even you know bigger back then so yeah i just i just thought that was interesting uh the snow was really bad though really fucking bad the only good thing about one of not the only good thing there's a lot of good things about Toronto, but one of the good things is they clear up like the highways and main roads pretty quickly. Uh, it ta- like they'll clear up like a side or two where people can drive, and then by like the second and third and fourth day, like they'll clear it all. But the problem is the neighborhood roads they don't clean unless it's like townhouses and shit. So one of my friends, this guy's a fucking idiot. I swear to God, an idiot. I guess he wanted to listen to the new weekend or gonna. So he, in the midst, in the storm at midnight, this guy's like, I have to listen to this. I have to listen to this. He goes on a fucking drive because he saw like the main roads were clear. And then this idiot took a turn in the neighborhood and it was like a construction site. So he, he takes the wrong turn. He's in this construction site now. The snow is probably like 20 inches and his car gets stuck. Of course it gets stuck. The, the snow's all over his, uh, under his fucking um, car. And he's trying to get it out. He's got no shovel. He's trying to kick the snow out of his fucking, like, under it. And he just couldn't. So he just left the car there, Ubered back home. And it probably, he had to, probably had to pay extra because of the weather. And then after work, I had to go help him the next day, like, do it. We had to jack the fucking car up, get the snow um, out from it. And it still wouldn't happen. Like, it was just stuck. So we ended up having to take, like, wood pieces and putting it under his tires. Uh, we, we we jacked the car up, uh, put wood pieces under the tires, and then went, then, because then it was lifted from the snow, and that's how he was able to get it out. So, yeah, don't drive after a snowstorm or during it, which is something I can't believe I even have to say. Um, do I have anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think I have anything else to talk about. Maybe One Piece. But I was going to... The thing with One Piece is I'm all the way caught up on the episodes and chapters. And I just can't do like the whole waiting every week for an episode thing. So I actually... I, I canceled my Funimation um, subscription because I'm like... No, I'm just going to wait for like 100 episodes to release. And then I'll watch it at the end of the year. That's the only way I can do it. I can't do the whole waiting weekly thing. I, you know, I wait weekly for the chapters. I'll read the chapters. But I'm not waiting weekly for the fucking episodes. 
So I'm just gonna wa- I'm just I'm just gonna watch it at the end of the year, like all the episodes that came out this year. Um, but I'm very excited about it. Like One Piece is one of my favorite shows, and there's moments from it. I think it's the only show that I've actually like legitimately cried at when you know the thing with Ace happened. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I should spoil it. But what when the thing happened with Ace, I was like, fuck. I I had to like hold back tears. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for today. All right, thank you for listening, everyone. I'ma tell you I'm so proud. I'ma tell you I'm so proud. If I ain't talk you in a minute, I'm so proud, I'm so proud. Say it X in that loud. Say it X in that loud. Drop ties in the real time, we secure it. We didn't know it no matter.